welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me, as always, is Ben Slinger. Hello, hello. Hello. This week, we are going to jump straight back into some random words from what3words.com. Because, yes, our random word generator is still down. That's right. So, we have switched over to a site that has split the planet into three meter square squares. <gasps> uh, and we are floating through space, separating out slowly as the uh, those squares just drift off into the distance. No, not like that. Uh, each square is given three words and we just click around and use those three words as prompts to make video games. Mm-hmm. Where are you, Trevor, finding I your words tonight? I am currently in Lord Howe Island. Well, at least in the application of what three words. I'm on Lord Howe Island and I, that's where I'm going to click from today. Do it. Give me your words. I have pave, brave, mentor. Some rhyming going on there. Yes. Pave, brave, mentor. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, like, pave makes me think of paving over greenery, a forest, knocking down a forest to make room for skyscrapers, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, So, perhaps- you're trying to prevent that from happening. This is like an environmental story of some are, sort. Are you trying to take down your mentor from within? Like basically, you've Ooh. come on as a um as like an apprentice, but now you're effectively sabotaging while learning the craft. You're effectively sabotaging everything that's okay, going on. Okay, so you've like taken a, an apprenticeship with some sort of construction company. Yep, with like a big architect or engineer who who runs this thing under yep. the guise of yeah of of learning their craft yeah of pouring a fuckload a fuck ton of concrete over the amazon rainforest whatever <laughs> that's what i was gonna say too. um okay and so is this about sabotaging these buildings is it about like putting stuff in the concrete so that it's not going to be solid and or is too it- much water or not enough sets- concrete or <laughs> too much concrete, and therefore it's like it's brittle as all fuck. You put like pot you know. rocks in there, so it's like porous. <laughs> <laughs> you put bicarb in there, and it's yeah. like it's all bubbled up. And you shit. just put yeast in there, and it and it manages to and sugar, I guess, and it just like creates carbonation within the concrete. Ah, oh, and then it then it and, also and becomes concrete beer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And then that's your whole new venture. <laughs> that's actually um, the game is selling your concrete beer. No. Yeah. Go. On. Okay. So gameplay is as follows. Like you've got to, you've got to keep trying to learn how to do all the concreting and, and show that you can do it competently, but then just fuck up enough to cause severe structural damage later on, but isn't noticeable right now. Because, obviously, you need to keep your job. If you fuck up too much, they're just going to fire you. Yeah. I'm almost thinking, is this like a a bridge constructor sort of thing? But instead of trying to build a a bridge in a way that's structurally sound, there are structurally sound building designs that will be built, and you you then decide how to subtly alter them, and they get tested under a variety of- (laughs) Under a variety (laughs) of- uh, uh, Circumstances. Yep. So basically, if you remove too much from it, 
then um, they're going to notice straight away, hang on, you know, all the, all the support beams are missing and therefore, yeah. you know, you're, na- you're right. now being the focus of, of their next um, inspection and like- all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so, we can obviously keep the whole environmental thing as a background story, but I do kind of like this idea of, like, these buildings going up and essentially people start going into them and we simulate the stresses that those people create on all the different floors and things. And you have to get, like, the the sort of goals are it mustn't collapse until X number of people are in there. So, essentially, you're a terrorist, <laughs> like, killing people, but the the whole thing is, like, it must seem stable until- Enough people get in there, essentially. <laughs> and we'll simulate them, like, going back and forth along floors and elevators going up and down. Yeah. And so, so it's you'd be doing things like, okay, we're going to switch out the material, you know, instead of iron rebar or whatever, it's going to be none. Air. It's going to be rebar. <laughs> um, we're going to drill the holes for it and then not put anything in. <laughs> or whatever. Like, ways to, yeah, to essentially- uh, Lessen the structural integrity yeah. enough. Uh, and then you get arrested and, and executed for being a t- terrorist, so. Oh, no. Because, like, your mentor dobbed you in. Had you just um, followed along yeah. with what he was saying, he was he was basically- He was trying to bring him down from the inside as well, but you just had to follow what he was, what he was doing, because he was trying to do it, you know, from a, from a tax perspective. And- yeah, this is green concrete. It was, it was going to grow grass if you just left it for long enough. All right. I think let's- He put marijuana on. seeds in them. <laughs> yeah, totally. This is going to be totally green. Okay, Ben, what three words? All right. I have rustic booster tent. Rustic booster tent. Mm. Ooh, so, I went okay. to- So, my head- Hang on, I'll just- Yeah. Do you want to go first or you want me to- All right. Yeah, no, I can go. I can go. If you're still figuring it out. Oh, I already know my idea. Um, you, you go first. You yeah. Go first. I'm, I'm picturing this rustic farmhouse with this circus tent-like thing over the top as the house is being fumigated. Okay. Um, but what's actually happening in there is the government have, have taken control of this particular house. Mm-hmm. Because underneath the house is, like, a secret laboratory. Okay. My mind went to a number of places then. Um, but let's let's go along these lines first. So, secret laboratory. Was this secret laboratory already there and they've like they've taken control so that they can gain access to it? Yeah, basically as as far as you you your character has known, like this rustic farmhouse has, has always been in town, but you've never known anyone to live in there. And all of a sudden, one day, there's, like, a big circus tent over the top, and mm-hmm. you you hear people saying, oh, it's just being fumigated. But then you see people exiting in, like, you know, hazmat. full hazmat sort of stuff. Yeah. And you realise that this is, like, a, a front for, like, a government operation. Okay. Have they, like, had a breach or something? Is that why the tent is on? Like, the laboratory underneath has had some sort of breach and they've had to contain it somehow. Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, maybe because it's because um, the farmhouse is sort of breaking down a bit and maybe it's been attacked by termites or something like that, that they're actually having to clean out the, the laboratory that's underneath. 
and um, decommission the site. Okay, so that's that's interesting. They're decommissioning it. That's kind of an interesting place to come into something like that. Yeah. So, so when you do actually get in there and you start seeing, you know, almost almost this, um, say, eighteen fifties sort of um, stuff within the farmhouse, but then when you go down into the basement and you you see like. Uh, it's all the super modern, super modern technology on the door, like keypad and all this sort of stuff, and you know it's it's very, um, very bare down there. Like you don't you don't quite know what's what's going on. Yeah, um, can this be? I'm getting a Goonies vibe. Yeah, I think you're a young girl oh who some like some kid, sort of teenager like a kid or early yeah like early teenager and and you and your friend I like the idea of it starting at like a sleepover or something like maybe dare each other to go close to the the house like maybe maybe there's an aspect of this is it is this rusty gold house so there's sort of it's it's a bit of a creepy old house so nobody, are you in there alone in or are you in there with your with your friend uh, I think that depends on what type of game we want to make it. I'm seeing um, it as a VR sort of experience. Okay. Because there's just something about hiding behind, like, a, a box when mm. you hear the, hear the door sort of opening and you quickly hide behind, you know, some shelves or something and you're peeking through, like, a box. Like, yep. you've been able to push a couple of boxes aside um, and see, you know, these people in hazmat suits just walk out and they're sort of having a, a conversation that you only hear, like- the tail end of. Yeah, so essentially like a VR stealth game. Yeah. It's kind cool. of like a, go- a Gorn Home-esque sort of thing in which, you know, there's there's certain uh, certain things like- I'm, I'm not picturing it being a, a full-on, um, if you're out in the open, you know, all this stuff's going to happen. I'm seeing it more like a- it's a story that's going to- that's happening- that you're involved in, that when you go to hide, that's when the door opens sort of thing. Yeah, it's more like triggering yep. scenes in, that are going to play out. Um, yeah, okay, that's interesting. So, a bit more environmental storytelling as you make your way through this house, some sort of basic, I guess, puzzle solving. And I like the idea then that your friend- She's like she'll like meet you at a window and you'll have a little scene there or like yep. she's on the outside um or maybe like you know she calls for help or different yeah you, but essentially you 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 get in touch with her throughout the thing but most of the time yes you're alone in this house. Okay. So how big is the laboratory underneath the house? Uh depends how much time we have to make the game. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a weekend. <laughs> We've got more weekend. Than that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, what are they making down here? So one of my words was booster. So is this some sort of like malicious vaccine or something? I don't I don't think it's a malicious vaccine. I think this is just one of the vaccine sort of laboratories that they that they would oh, oh, so we're gonna go okay. That could be interesting. Like this whole thing is you know, essentially your character is thinking it's this government conspiracy or something. In reality, it's just um, the reason why they hid these sort of things around around the country, so that like industrial, you know, the um, espionage. Well, and there's all of- the fucking like 
alt-right anti-vaxxers out there who are who are trying to like shut this shit down. Yeah. Um okay, I mean that's kind of got that gone home esque vibe where you sort of build up that tension, but then it just gets diffused in, you know, hopefully a satisfying way still. But yes. Um but, okay, I that's mean, cool. you, that's I cool. mean you can you can literally, you know, sort of while you're in there, you know, the door sort of locks and then the lights just go out. Mm. Like, oh, you can have some great moments where, like, where it seems like someone's seen you and is chasing after you or something. Um, when you know, really, it's just incidental that they happen to be going the same direction as you or whatever, yeah. or like, or some alarm's gone off, so they're running and you like get out of the way on time and they don't see you. But like, it, yeah, uh, it's it's because your friend like broke a window trying to, <laughs> and and know, and so it's, like, and it's all about up? the sound design. Like, I'm, I'm picturing. You know, hearing those footsteps coming down the hallway, and you, you, um, I was, I was listening to, I was, can't remember what it was last night that I was actually, um, checking out, but basically, uh, it was a certain sound that always sounds like it's getting, um, like going up higher in pitch, higher in pitch, but it's actually circular. So it's, it's never getting any higher, but it's basically, it can cause, um, you know, some people to freak out and all this sort of stuff because it's just, it sounds it's like it's continually getting louder. Times. I know, it's bizarre. Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea of, you know, you sort of take it that it gradually gets louder and louder and louder, but you can have that sort of cyclic thing of, you know, it sounds like it's getting louder and louder and louder and then, you know, starts from just behind. Can, you can build tension that way, essentially, without- Worrying about the pitch getting too high if they don't do the thing you exactly. want them to. <laughs> I'm sure that's used a bit in those sort of um, in games already. I, I imagine that sort of technique. But um, yeah, I think you're definitely building tension. Um, I think it's mostly an exploratory game. You're picking things up, you're looking at them, you're reading them, you're trying to figure out what's going on. Maybe there are, yeah, there are sort of stealth aspects that are more around triggering these events. And it might be like throw something over there to distract them and that like, triggers them to move so you can go past or whatever. Um, but not like full on, you know, worrying about line of sight. And okay. So the sort of that. things that I'm, pe- I'm picturing first off is, you know, you can sort of go through the house and you can, um, as you're going through, you find like a diary and it sort of talks about like the, the end of like the 18, 1880s or something like that. And it's like mm. really, really, really old. So you're thinking this is literally an old, farmhouse that no one's lived in for over 100 140 years sort of thing or 130 30 years um but then you then you notice like there's um in the kitchen where where the uh fridge is you see some scratch marks on the ground so you can see that the fridge is being pulled forwards yeah um and you yeah, can maybe like find that something that actually mental symbols, uh, signals. I mean, yep. to to figure out what you got to do, or maybe some sort of because you could have you could play with light temperature really interestingly. Like if all of the old, you know, they're either old incandescent lights or even like I don't know, oil, old can an oil, oil lamp oil or something lamp like or something. that. But then you see this like high intensity sort of white, whitish blue light shining from somewhere. Like, that could be really incongruous and really guide you to, you know, obviously yeah. finding um, what you're looking for. I mean, I'm picturing the guys walking out of the lab and one of them accidentally drops an ID badge on the ground. So, you can pick up that ID, 
ID badge and now you can, or it's, a, it's the ID, you know, RFID. So you can sort of, um, scan it and, and then, you know, the door sort of and yeah. just opens up. You just get this nice, yeah, this nice clean light coming out into this rustic oh, old. It, it's all, you know, um, I kind of like the idea of fluoro t- tubes. You know, they just, they look so unnatural and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has this brilliant bright, bright light. And when you go in there, it's like, it's that pristine sort of, um, laboratory, um, you know, white, uh, all the way down the corridor and you see some, see some labs off to the site and all this sort of stuff. Um, yeah. I, so how do we resolve this then? So if you end up finding out, okay, this is just like a a essentially a secret vaccine laboratory, um, but needing to be hidden for the right reasons. Um, uh, I kind of think that the the ending is as much as this is going to kind of suck. Um, <laughs> you kind of you kind of go into one of the laboratories, and as you're searching through some of the vials, you get pricked. Oh god! Like on your finger by by an unknown unknown yeah. sort of syringe, and it's basically the um you know something starts happening to your hand, and that's when you know you sort of turn around and there's there's like a the scientist Doc. there that sort yeah. of sort of says you got to come with us and you know maybe that's a a perfect time to end that sort of thing, but you can have a few puzzles leading up to that like. Yeah, yeah, there are a few things you can do, I guess. Um, hopefully, you'd, we'd be able to write a satisfying ending. Um, let me tell you about the idea that I had when you were talking about yep. this, because cool. it was kind of fun. So, you were talking about this rustic old house that was being fumigated. For whatever reason, my mind immediately went to the insects in this house and how that for them is like a world-shattering event. And so, it's <laughs> essentially a disaster movie. Yep. For these insects trying to get out of this house. Um, Ooh, yes. And so, I don't know if you play it that they've got, like, vehicles and stuff so you can have fucking chase scenes as, I don't know, gases, like, dropping down around you and huge fucking insects are falling out of the sky or something as they all die or, uh, b- yeah, different different things that are happening in this house preventing you from getting away and, and making it essentially an action disaster movie mm. uh, game. I like. Mm. I like a lot. I'm, I'm picturing um, what type of bug are you? Are you like an ant so could, or a or, or just like an, a nondescript bug? Or We can go with the classic cockroach of like survival because they're going to survive. Everything. Or we, can, yep. or we can- or we could play with that and the cockroach is just like, whatever, man. Like, I'm going to go on anyway <laughs> as you try to get your family out. So, my co- my question is, like, when when you think of, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the sort of giant sort of things in, in games and that sort of stuff seem to move very, mm. very slow. Yeah. Like, things that are much larger than you seem to move a lot slower than you yeah. do. So, I'm imagining that if you're- if you're- you know, really, really small, um, that time sort of moves a lot faster for you. So- Yeah, I like that. So, I- I'm picturing some great scenes, actually, where I think it's it's full on, like, there's this insect city. Yep. Maybe it's, like, underneath the floorboards and there's a bit of broken floorboard that you can see to the outside or something. Because I'm just- I'm loving the idea of 
essentially a shadow coming over the sun, like as if the sun's being blocked, but that's the tent coming down on the outside and you see the windows like go. Okay. So what color do you think the tent is? (laughs) I think this classic is a sort of a blue and yellow and like, I think it's the classic fumigation tent that you'd think of. I immediately thought of blue and yellow. So, yeah. I think that is fantastic. Like, there just getting that sort of blue wash, yellow wash, blue yeah. wash, yellow wash, kind of then a mixture of that that sort of blue-yellow yeah, you wash see with, a, with whole- a line, a crisp line yeah, a crisp across line. your you face. See the- <laughs> yes, yeah. You see the, the, the city essentially, like, cut into these blue and yellow segments by this, the, the, as the sun light changes coming through the window. Um, and so, like- you have a scene there, shit plays out, you know, maybe you're at work and you get home to your family or something to find out what's going on. Uh, these super dramatic scenes of, let's say you're a, uh, let's make you a spider. Because I feel like they're so often the villains. Mm-hmm. How can you like a house spider? Just a tiny house spider? Yeah, like just a little one. Anthropomorphic? Yeah, I think relatively anthropomorphic. Because they've got cities and stuff, and are going to do, do they do they things. walk in their back legs for the most part, and then like when they need to, they just sort of go down on all of them and go. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, if they run, then it's like on all f- on all eight, um, <laughs> on all fours. And I they nearly go- said all fours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're running on all eights, and yeah, and then you get to have a scene where like, and it's. You play it as if it's like a meteor coming down, but it's the big gas canister yep. being shot in and slowly going across the sky, trailing gas behind it, and then like exploding as it hits the ground to just like create a mushroom cloud of this gas that then yep. starts spreading. And so you get some great scenes where you're, I don't know, you're hitching a ride on a fucking housefly or something. At some point, you get like a flying um, scene. I want it. I want it to be a dragonfly. There's just something about a dragonfly that just, like, yep. is really cool. Um, I kind of like the idea that uh, one of the characters that you come across is, like, a funnel web um, who, like, one of the Sydney funnel webs that just, yep. they get a little bit spooked and they get really, really angry. <laughs> they reach up well, on the no, back I'll- of it. It's like, you well, talking that, to me, mate? <laughs> that's good. But I was also thinking, are they- they don't they build bunkers like don't they essentially build little like holes that they can close up? Yeah, is that the funnel web? Yeah, because I love that because they're basically a doomsday prepper then. Right? <laughs> so yeah, you meet this fucking funnel web who's like, oh, I knew this day was coming. I built my bunker. You know, no, you can't come in. Like, and you go to say you. something, he goes, "What are you talking to me, mate?" And he starts like yeah. hitting his Rises chest like a doom bro his- and all this sort of stuff. Totally, totally. Uh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, I love the idea of like your wife, I guess, has all the babies, like egg sacs or something on her back. Like, that's what you're trying to get out of here for because you've got like a hundred, you've got like a thousand eggs on this on the, that are ready to hatch. Yeah. Um, trying to escape. It, it's, yeah, it's her first brood. <laughs> And then I love, like, you some some huge dramatic escape scene as the gas, like, finally reaches the edge of the house and you 
like bust through a hole. Like you, I don't know, you manage to smash a window and then bust, like fly through it the last second as all the gas comes pouring out behind you. <laughs> and oh, I'm, I'm just imagining that you use Sorry. your fangs on like the on the edge of the tr- of the tent, and so you're like cutting the, cutting that little hole as you as you're like going all the way down. <laughs> Jesus, kind of like that, that typical spider, pirate well. thing of you know oh, st- yeah. sticking sticking a um, a knife in the in the yeah. sail and going all the way down. I love the the idea of you know sticking a fang into the <laughs> into the tent. <laughs> or you yeah, go to that's... do it the first time and you, and, you know it, it just sort of sticks there and you don't actually do anything. But then your wife jumps on the back with all the eggs and she <laughs> and helps drag you down. down. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's cool. I just, yeah, I love that idea of using those classic disaster movie tropes in that context. Oh, yeah. Awesome. All right, Trevor, hey, what three words? Navigation, concession, haunts. Haunts. Oh. Okay. I do like the idea of, like, a ghost haunting a circus or something. Okay. I saw this as- I was going with navigation more than concession, okay. and I was seeing it that you're playing a ghost pirate. Okay, on the seven seas. So let's let's go with yours first, and then we'll come over to mine. Well, the other actually, the other potentially better idea that I just had with thinking of concession was it could also be like a movie theater. Yep. With concessions, although I don't know where navigation comes in at that point. Well, um, you, I mean, you can always. Include, you know, um, what's showing on the screen is, is like some sort of pirate movie or something like that, but it's just like, it's just a background sort of thing. Or you gotta navigate, you gotta navigate the back, the back of this theater. Are there ghosts, are there ghosts here who like take the form of whatever is like the top movie showing at that time? Could be. (laughs) You have some fun, like character stuff happening. Um, so yeah, I suppose yeah, but- the the idea is, you know, are we are we one of the ghosts who who is trying to is haunting this place, or are we, you know, the um the concession stand sort of um, mm. runner who also as part of their part of their job description they have to make sure that none of the um none of the patrons realise that the whole cinema is haunted. Right. So you have like dialogue puzzles where when one of the ghosts appears in full pirate garb, uh, you have to like pass it off as a publicity stunt. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like the idea that, you know, the reason why, you know, the usher and that sort of stuff goes into the theater with the, with the, um, with the, the, um, with the flashlight is actually to find the ghosts and kick them out. (laughs) (laughs) That could be the game. (laughs) <laughs> that could there's a there's a VR game in shining a flashlight around finding ghosts who are like mimicking what's on the screen in some way <laughs> and playing different characters and then you have like little dialogue scenes with them or something. That could be cool. <laughs> and it's all about, you know, you gotta check the tickets and then you gotta also like have a look to see if there's that glint in the eyes or or whether the light is actually shining through them. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like it goes trying to get in and, and watch the movie. Um, <laughs> I'm imagining that there's like ghosts sometimes that sit that sit in the theater, and then there's other other ones who are sort of like down the front, in, in front of the screen, you know, acting out and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> you can only see them when you shine the light on them. Um, that's some cool stuff there. I do. I also like the idea of like going into a, a full cinema and having to spot the ghosts in there by like, yeah, the fact that if you shine the light on them, you might see them, you know, go transparent or different things, but you have to do it without pissing off the patrons. So if you start like shining <laughs> into people's eyes, then they're all going to- They call the manager and, yeah. and the manager doesn't know that um, there's ghosts all the way through this, through this place. But then, you know, you get in trouble if, if there's a whole heap of people who haven't paid for tickets when he goes through and, and counts. So, it's all about- Right, it does a head count, yeah. Doesn't match up. He goes, um, I counted 20 people in there. You only sold 18 tickets. I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> docking that- Docking your pay. And you're like, yeah, you're some old caretaker, Usher, who's been there for 30 years and keeping these ghosts at bay. Yeah. I love that. That's cool. <laughs> Hey, Ben, um, what three words? Yeah. All right. Stealthier, juniors, inordinate. Um, now, inordinate means unusually or disproportionately large or excessive. Okay. Juniors, I immediately think of children. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm thinking <laughs> that is basically um, you're, you're in a place where you're looking after- um, like extraordinarily large children, so it's sort of like "Honey, I Blew Up the Kids" sort of okay. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so it's like Jurassic Park, but it's it's a daycare. See, <laughs> I, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna say that um, my next set of words are gonna come in very close to what we're kind of doing right now. Okay, well, with, maybe we can- with the childcare. So. Um, but I'm going to take my next one very, very dark. So, All right. well, I think let's keep this one lighter. I do kind of like the idea of essentially making a zoo slash theme park, but instead of dinosaurs, it's giant babies. Yep. Uh, and so you're having to create like, yeah, big sleepy mats or whatever for them to, you know, the big balls for them to play with and make sure. Oh, they don't could smash you out could you place. imagine the size of the ball pit? That they- yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like ball pit valley. <laughs> These kids jump into it, and it's like those those um, big gym balls that we that we sort of have that you know exercise balls that you can yeah. sort of sit on. Except for kids, they're like the size of marbles. <laughs> so, is this maybe is this a child? Like, are you for some reason a regular sized person running a childcare for giants? Yes. I love it. So, Jack and the Beanstalk Childcare. I don't know if I like that uh, connotation there since knowing what Jack did to the Giants, but- um, (laughs) You're really not going to like my words then. (laughs) All right. All right. I think then we can- We can imagine how you would go with a Jurassic Park style management game where you are running a childcare for babies. 
Trevor, what words do you have? Nourishing childcare contingent. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, tell me where you're going with it. My head is gone too. Basically, you're a vampire in in a childcare looking after all these kids and you're just trying to trying to have a little sneaky snack on the side every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> so you're breeding these children like is this a farm no you you're you're looking after the children like a normal child care is just occasionally you need a stack <laughs> and it's the contingency on what happens if if one of these children die <laughs> oh god because you ate too much <laughs> 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 Trevor, I don't know how to make this horrible idea into a game, though. <laughs> Are you just like- Your name is Dracula, and you're running a childcare. <laughs> and <laughs> it's all about keeping your thirst down while also okay. looking after kill- uh, children and not Jeez, killing that them. That was a Freudian slip. Um, looking after children. <laughs> <laughs> the children in the cauldron. <laughs> so- so, okay, you've got to keep your thirst down. How is this just by are you somehow keeping track of like how much blood is in each child? Do you have like some sort of blood vision? <laughs> you you look at their neck and you see like how, how much, you know, um, how fast their heart is currently you get pumping. Like a zoo- and- you get like a Mortal Kombat style zoom into their carotid artery. Yep. Uh, showing the pulse of the blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, is there any other way you get blood, or it's literally just you have to feed from these children before they go home? Um, well, I think you know you've got you've brought along X amount of blood for the day, but these these kids keep on tripping over and you know cutting their knees and all this sort of stuff, and you see blood running, and you just sort of. So it's not just the thirst; it's also the blood lust. It's the lust. It's the lust. It's the contingency on how you keep, you know, yourself occupied when, you know, dealing with niece grapes and you know, occasional cuts and abrasions. So you're and- having to constantly just like do little quick time events to not kill a child. <laughs> not go to it's town like, oh, on a little little like, bit ah, scrape his knee. I'm just gonna put a bandaid. I'm, band- I'm just gonna put a bandaid on here. It's like, oh, I need to change your dressing. <laughs> oh, Trevor just mimed licking a bandage. So we're moving on. Because <laughs> that's just fucking. <laughs> That's just too far. <laughs> too far. <laughs> All right. Oh, God, that was great. <laughs> what three words, Ben? Furnace, Earthbound, Academy. Ooh. Ooh, me like a evocative set of words there. Some sort of sci-fi. Yeah, definitely. Sort of thing. Um I kind of, I mean, I'm getting visions, well, not visions, you know that I don't have visions, but my thoughts are going to sort of Ender's Game sort of academy. Yeah, so I was thinking, I was thinking Space Elevator mm-hmm. of some sort involved with that, just because Earthbound is like 
the direction of the elevator as it goes down. Um, okay, so is this a world where humans have actually evacuated Earth but are living in space stations above the planet and um, as part of, like, the school, we do excursions down to the planet? I like that. I like that. Earth has become uninhabitable, but before that happened, we managed to build the space elevators. Oh, I I don't think it's uninhabitable. I think it's more the fact that we realised that humans are actually fucking up the planet so much that if humans weren't on the planet, then maybe the planet would, like, self-correct. Well, okay, maybe not fully- maybe fully- not fully uninhabitable, but it's- because I was taking that furnace is that, like, the climate change has gotten so bad that it's, like- inexorably hot down there, yeah. you know, so it's very difficult. And maybe there are people still living, like, you know, groups of people still living down there and surviving, managing to survive in fucking caves and underground or something. Um, or oh, not even there, like bubble cities. Like, I'm, I'm imagining, you know, they're the ones that you that you got to be careful of because they're the ones oh. that are still producing a lot of these greenhouse gases because they effectively live in greenhouses. That's interesting. Okay, there's like a a um, conflict between the spacefaring folk, yeah, and those who stayed on Earth and built these cities that are still pumping out, yeah, like tons uh, of greenhouse gas. It's just that they're not, yeah. you know, they're comfortable within their bubble. So yeah, exactly. Like they've they they've decided. Okay, well, we by consuming continuing to consume resources and. Uh, uh, pollute the atmosphere. We're able to keep ourselves safe, and like everyone else is fucked off anyway. So it's much easier to now because we're all in these cities. Um, okay, cool. So are you an exchange student? So you're from the spacefaring city, and you're heading down into into the one of the bubble cities Mm. to. I like the idea of setting up the status quo first with your character. Mm -hmm. So I think. Because I do like this idea, and and we we should probably decide what sort of academy this is. Because why would they go? Like, if Earth is dangerous, why are they going down? Um, there? Well, I I see this as as like um almost like a combination between the Scouts and like Greenpeace. In that, okay, you know these these people these people are actually you know trying to fix the Earth, and you know collect badges and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I just love that. Uh, okay, so that they essentially idea go of- down on like scouting and science missions. Yeah, is there any sort of military sort of thing involved or like um, security in that way? Because I'm just I'm just thinking about like how intense is this conflict with the the Earthbound folk? Um, um I, I think. As long as you stay away from the bubble cities, you're kind of okay because they never venture mm. out of their bubbles anyway. Right. But what you've got to deal with is the wildlife. Yeah, which is now, like, evolved to and mutated to, like- Yeah, to handle the, the, that the increased temperatures survive. and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. All right, that's cool. Um, yeah, so what I was going to say, I think maybe one of your classmates ends up being- Well, is either an exchange student- and comes in, mm-hmm. or is some sort of spy, like, infiltrating, depending on- I guess it depends on how much conflict between those two factions we want to bring in, or if we want to keep it a bit more civil, and it's more about exploring the politics between them and the and the sort of um, personal relationships. 
mm-hmm. between their different ideals. Okay, so you as a scout, what is what is your main mission in this game? I'm thinking it's to plant a new plant. Like effectively you're 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 going down with a troop and you've got all these plants that you're trying to plant down there, you know, doing something very small. Um, but you know, it's sort of like a pilgrimage that you gotta you gotta take. So your your idea is to actually plant it in, in like the garden that your you you know, your grandmother you know, you mm. you you want to plant it in in like a place that that means something to your family. I do like that. I wonder if I wonder if there's some sort of uh, big mission that the spacefaring people are doing, where they're essentially they want to move on and colonize a new planet and treat it better, mm-hmm. but they need like samples and seeds and things from the earth, whatever can be scavenged and, and, and found and, and recovered, um, essentially either, either to, like, build big colony ships or just to, when they get to a planet, sort of help to terraform it in that way. Okay. One of the things that they want to be able to do is take a catalogue of all the animals sort of within this area. So effectively, yep. if you can, if you can, you know, if you're attacking an animal, you can sort of, you know, get a little syringe full of of blood of you yeah, know well, certain animals, and you want to get a male and female sort of pair because you know the cloning has got pretty good, but they want to be able to when they move to a new planet, they want to make sure that you know these species are surviving. It's kind of like Noah's Ark, yeah. but in reverse. Yeah, in, in the fact that you're, you're actually trying to gather all the DNA for it. Yeah, well, I wonder if- I do like the idea of sampling them, whether it's cataloging them just for, like, yeah, like, whether you've got some sort of scanner or something in, in a bit of a, um, like, No Man's Sky sort of way, or if, yeah, you have to somehow- because if you have to get in contact then with these animals, then that definitely brings in that aspect of sort of combat in that way and and, and bringing them down or hunting them, um, which is fine, like, if, we, if that's the direction we want to go in. Well, um, I'm thinking that- the idea is that you're trying to not harm these animals, but you're also trying to, you know, the only way to get the proper DNA for it is to, yeah. you know, take, take you know, a, a sample of their blood because that contains all the- Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm just trying to think of what that gameplay lo- loop looks like. So, I'm, I'm sort of picturing first person or third person- Yep. Gameplay- um, you know, uh, is this sort of, I don't know, Horizon Zero Dawn style sort of thing where they're attacking you and you're trying to, like, get close enough by ducking and rolling and, and getting a hit in to get that DNA? Or is it more like, you know, we're sneaking up on them and, and it staying downwind and, you know, getting close enough with that? I do like this Horizon Zero Dawn aspect in the fact that, you know, you've got little to no combat. That yep. you can actually do, but this is all about dodging. This is so all dodging about- dodging and getting close enough. Getting to- close enough, mm-hmm. getting the stuff, and then getting away. Yeah. So, it's sort of like- I like that as a as a, as an alternative to full-on combat. That's cool. So, it's all about um, rolling in the right direction to, to then, you know, get behind to getting close enough to- Yeah. It's about learning their attacks, um, essentially, 
so that, yes, you can dodge out of the way and then when they have their sort of breathing moment between attacks, you can perhaps get up close and get them with that syringe. Um, and maybe, I don't know, if you have to get a certain amount, so you might have to hit them multiple times and, you know... If we go full on sort of, <laughs> if we go full on action action RPG in that way, like you could be upgrading your tools over time. To- you, you, you do a, you do a whole thing of, oh, I I didn't hit the vein. Okay, got to go again. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried I've tried too many times with this one. I'm running out of spots. I'm going to have to do it between the toes. <laughs> Well, I wonder, uh, that, that could be an alternative, though, is um, not, the, sorry, I don't, that's not a good segue, but uh, <laughs> you could have ways to tranquilize them and stuff too, perhaps. Um, yes. You, know, you could the, maybe have th- alternate paths. Throw, throw a uh, stun grenade in there and that's pretty good fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, sort of like Horizon Zero Dawn where you've got, you, you need to use different techniques for different types of creatures that are yep. down there. Um, you know, so you've got flying creatures, you've got- um, you know, charging creatures, you've got burrowing creatures, you've got just creatures that are, uh, you know, have a lot of armor or whatever. So you maybe you have to get the syringe from a certain uh, position or you have to knock them over so they're, you can hit them in the belly with the syringe or something. I don't know. Different, different, different things you could put in place there. Mm-hmm. But I do like the idea of it being non lethal and, and a lot of collection stuff. As well, like you're also- And I think it's because you're you're either a student or you're like- You're effectively like a a science assistant or something like that. You know, the academy that you're you're there for is, is, you know, a- um, It's a scientific expedition. Yeah, for sure. Now, do- Is this just the first act and then we- um, And then we, you know, pump it up and have- some people from the other faction who then start and they're actually like trying to attack you and then you need to utilize those techniques to still non-lethally perhaps but like escape and get away from the enemies yeah it's not a bad idea just to really ramp it up then and, and build up that yeah you know, build um, the stakes a bit what sort of bosses because all, these games always you know sort of go well if there's like a big boss sort of monster Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm picturing that there's like, um, because it's so hot out there. I'm thinking that you got like a massive lava worm or something like that that you. I was thinking like a snake. Yeah, I was thinking like some sort of worm or snake. Yeah, um, um, and and then you got like uh, different big colossal creatures that sort of are in each of the biomes. So you got mm. one that's in the desert sort of area, one that's in like a. A really hot and humid rainforesty area, um, deep in the like sea. I do like that idea of. I do like that idea of. Yeah, the sea one would be cool. I do like that idea of, of. Essentially, you've got the different space elevators that were built in different areas of the world, and yeah, as you sort of complete one area in that very open world action mm-hmm. game sort of way, uh, you then you can like fast travel or whatever to the other. Space elevator, and that's your new sort of kicking off point for a different biome and different areas. Of, yeah, and, and I'm things. picturing that something that you pick up in, in you know, the rainforest biome is going to help you take down like the massive sandworms because yeah. I'm just picturing the the huge sandworms from do- from June. <laughs> like that to me is a, is a perfect specimen of mm-hmm. of what you're going after. 
And we need those on the new planet. Exactly. Why would we not have giant sandworms on this new planet? That's really cool. I love that. I love that world, actually. I feel like that's a really- There's a lot of stories we could we could build off of that uh, that whole thing mm-hmm. with the- I definitely just love the visual of, like, descending down this space elevator as you duck into, like, the big clouds, uh, you know, red clouds of, of of the dust that's come up from the dust bowl in this particular area. And- oh, yeah. 100% this is set in Australia because, you know, we've pretty much got all the biomes here. <laughs> well, I think you set one in Australia. I feel like it's got to be- Oh, the red clouds have got to be- You're going through the yeah. red desert, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Giant fucking kangaroos and things. You've got the megafauna as all come back. <laughs> megafauna. All right. Give me some words, Trevor. Essential. Absorbent. Boxful. Boxful? Boxful. <laughs> as in, like- I, I'm, li- I'm literally saying that this is literally a- Essential tissue box. <laughs> That's the word is boxful. <laughs> All right. An essential tissue box. Yeah. Are you a teenager who can't stop masturbating? <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's where your head went. Um, I See, I immediately went to- um, I, I'm seeing that- You've gone into the bathroom of your, of your grandmother's place and all this sort of stuff. And there's this beautiful ornate, like, um, you know how a lot of grandmothers have like <laughs> tissue box covers? Yes. I love that you would do a lot of grandmothers. Yes, I do know the tissue box covers. We yeah. will have like a nice bit of lace. Nice bit of lace or it's like a, it's like a, a decorative metal cover sort of thing or you've oh, got, yeah. yep. you know, basically, this tissue box is is you know seen as this what brings this is what brings the bathroom together. <laughs> it's like the centerpiece of the bathroom. Exactly. Okay. Um, because I remember growing up that my my grandmother had you know one of those really lacy sort of things that she put over the tissue box and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, because it was like the essential thing that she had in that bathroom, you know, sort of brought everything else together. Everything else was sort of chosen off of that design. Mm-hmm. Um, I like so the idea of- So, every time you draw a, a tissue- Exactly. From this tissue box, you jump dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yep. And so, the bathroom itself never changes. The bathroom's kind of like a TARDIS- in that way, mm-hmm. where it's just always the same, but you don't—you never know what you're going to hit when you open that door after pulling another tissue. It's because your grandmother always said, "Only pull one each yeah, time." She was very against wastefulness. Yes, it turns out it's because you pull two out at a time, and you end up in a new dimension, and you're sliding between dimensions, and therefore, you know, it's all about making your way back. Yeah, I think it's very much. Um, sniffling between dimensions and yeah, is it that you, you pull two? I think, it, <laughs> is it that if you pull two, you end up in a dimension that's like two removed from your dimension? So it's so, yeah. it's so unrecognizable then that it's very hard to find your way back. Yeah. Mm. So then it's all about, um, well, I think as soon as you move into this new dimension and you go out, someone sort of sneaks past you, sneaks into the bathroom. And take some extra tissues, 
And as you go in, like that tissue box isn't there anymore, sort of thing. Like it's it's moved on to the next next dimension. Well, so now almost, you're- well, well, mate, I was almost thinking that because I do like the idea of sort of almost an adventure game where. Every, yeah, every time you, you pull this tissue, you've got another puzzle to solve and you go out and like you meet your grandma from this dimension. There's always your grandma there. Uh, and she's always the exact same, same sort of person. She kind of, she's a very special being in that she actually, you know, um, she's connected throughout all these different areas. So she's almost the same person and you can talk to, talk to her Does in each she one. Recognize that and she recognizes, oh, why are you here? Like, you're not from this dimension. Right. <laughs> I, I do like the idea of her being a bit different in each one, though. Like, in this one, she's a hippie. In this one, she's a Nazi. In this one, <laughs> she's... <laughs> God. You know, the usual little old lady. In this one, I don't know. She never had children, and she's like, how is this possible? <laughs> no, I'm not your grandma. I, I kind of like the idea that she's gone through what you're going through right now. So she, okay. so, you know, when she was growing up, you know, she, she took out a couple too many tissues and mm-hmm. she ended up like in the dimension that you ended up being in, you know, so the, Oh, so the grandma, you know, isn't from your dimension. I kind of like that idea. Yeah. She replaced the, the real grandmother from there. And one of the, one of the, times that you go out, she's literally not there. And you realize that this is the time period that she's, this, oh, this is, is the dimension that she was originally from. Yeah. And you kind of have to, you go and you find your, your mother who, you know, lost, uh, oh, well, well no, I guess it depends on when she did it, but <laughs> <laughs> you find your great aunt. <laughs> yeah. Who lost her sister 70 years ago. Yeah. Um, just, just disappeared into thin air. Uh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> it is. And I, yeah, I mean, I just like exploring your different grandmas. <laughs> I, All I, right. I love, I love the idea that, you know, you've got this, um, single actress who gets to play all these different versions of, of the oh, characters. Yeah. Sure. Fun with that for sure. Okay. Question. Who are you seeing mm-hmm. as the grandmother? Oh, um, I didn't have someone specific in mind. Now that you've asked, I think my mind just went to the most grandma-like person, and I am thinking Betty White. That's a very good choice. Um, although, didn't she just turn, like, 99 or something? Yeah, something like that. Jesus. Um, um, I mean, my head was going through, you know, is, is Maggie Smith a good choice? Is um, Judy Dench- um, but then my mind went to Sally Field. Sally Field, yeah. Sally Field could be really quite cool. You know, the Flying Nun, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> um, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. That's um not a bad choice. Yep, she's just got the range for sure. Okay, Ben. Last time, what are your three words? Ever. No, not ever. We're going to keep doing this, even if you don't want us to. <laughs> Cheerio dust viewings. I saw Cheerio dust and I had to- Oh, yeah. Of course. I had to go with it. Um, 
Okay, so your roommate has has just eaten the last of the Cheerios, and all that is left is the dust in the bottom of the packet. Is this some sort of is this some sort of mundane investigation where you're tracking down Cheerio dust fingerprints to find who? Which which of your all your porn or something? Oh, I'm I'm thinking which of your roommates was the culprit, because they're the ones that have to go out and buy the new Cheerios. Right. Is this? These are like these are like disgusting college boys, and they've they've got one of those giant bags of Cheerios. You know, like the human sized bags, essentially, um, or buckets or whatever. And yeah, someone finished the last one, and so this whole game is about. Tracking down Cheerio crumbs across the across your 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 uh, house or whatever that you're all living in, mm-hmm. um, and talking to all the people that you come across as as these you know Cheerio droppings lead you in their direction, <laughs> um, and you find reasons why they're not the culprit. <laughs> they had some, but they didn't finish it. And they can prove it because they, they took can a prove photo. It he's a, yeah, because he's a <laughs> selfie I took with uh, Greg, who you know was sharing them around. Mm. Um, and you can tell that Greg was was about to ha- have some because he had a carton of milk in his hands, and and you know the cereal packet was up like this. <laughs> I just realized. I just totally realized this whole time that I was thinking of Cheetos, not Cheerios. Um, and then you said cereal, and I realised that I was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I'm retroactively saying it was Cheetos because that's funnier, <laughs> and make and makes all my old other stuff make sense. Because <laughs> Cheeto dust makes much more sense than Cheerio dust. Yep. Um. So let's just. Keep so that's going, go- that's going to be a fun edit for me. Yay! You'll guess no, that I didn't do it. anything. I just left don't it. Don't edit it. Just we'll just continue on as if. It's Cheetos because that is a better thing. Yes. Okay. So, there's um, the orange dust fingerprints. Yeah, exactly. On that's, the remote that's control. That's what's been in my head this whole time is the orange Cheeto dust. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yes, it's like piecing together the evidence. Do you have like your big like evidence board? <laughs> you got to draw st- like the string in between. strings and stuff. It's like, well, it can't have been this person. Because- oh, because it's all about the timeline. You need to be mm. able to work out what the actual timeline of it was, because um, yep. that otherwise it leads you down the wrong path. And I think the whole game starts off with you hearing a crunch of someone eating the last Cheeto. Ooh, okay. Blackout. Crunch. Eyes open. Yeah. And it's like, who's eating my Cheetos? And you go yeah, out you there, go, you go and out the, into the-, the bucket is turned over. It's on its side. There's only orange dust left and there's, like, a little trail. Yep. And that sets you on your way. Yep. And, yeah, you've got this essentially big share house of all these college kids or dorms or something. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's a frat. So- Right. You've got, you've got like, literally 20 people who, who could be the culprit. Yep. Yep. Let's somehow make it a mixed- I think just a share house because I don't want it just to be okay. all fucking frat dudes- um, because that's horrible. So, co-ed dorm, <sighs> yeah, some sort of co-ed dorm or co-ed share house in some way, you know, just off campus or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yes, you're tracking down and you like go in where uh, Julie is, like doing her, stu- you know, studying for a big 
exam and you talk to her about it and and she's like, no, you know that I don't eat unnatural food colorings. And it's like, well, why is there Cheeto dust on your light switch? She goes, oh, well, Henry was in here earlier. Maybe you want to talk to him. Yeah, exactly. He was he was being a dick as usual, turning off my lights while I'm trying to study. Yeah. Yeah, and then you go track down. Yeah, so it's 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 going through. It's figuring out the timeline. You get photos from people's phones and webcams. You get- Oh, uh, I like the idea that you go into Henry's room and you actually see that he's got a small packet of Cheetos there. So, you know that he's- Yes, he's been eating Cheetos. But they weren't your Cheetos. They were his Cheetos because he's got a packet there. <laughs> I like the idea that at some point you literally have to get one of the science students to, like, check on a sample to determine which brand this Cheeto dust came from. Yeah, because I'm imagining that he's- um, that Henry's actually got the extra hot Cheetos. So, it's actually, you know, you go to taste and it's like, oh, my God, you know, it's so hot. Like, it's yeah, putting my tongue. Yeah, you, yeah, okay, you lick the that's what switch. I'm- This is what I'm currently following. <laughs> yeah, so it's tracking down that trail- um, and, uh, eventually you find that, uh, it was this, uh, raccoon that got in. Uh, <laughs> sponsored by Cheetos and Cheerios. For sponsored some by Cheetos and Cheerios. New Cheeto Cheerios. Okay. We're going to do one more. All right. Tell me what you got, mister. Turbulence. Bunny. Implanted. <sighs> <laughs> okay. So, the scene is set. It's on a plane, travelling over the Pacific, heavy turbulence, and you hear, like, in the back row, these two scientists talking about how the code is implanted in the bunny in the co- in the hold. Okay. And it's kind of like, it's an espionage thing on a plane. Um, when you said turbulence and bunny, I, def- I went straight to Conair. Um... <laughs> See, I, this- I I went to scientists because I was, I, I I was thinking a lot about bunny and something being implanted in the bunny. Sure, um, sure. So, okay, is this a domestic? I mean, is this just like a passenger flight? It's passenger flight. You're maybe the air marshal. Okay, so you're you're sort of hearing VR. Ooh, yes, that could that could work quite well. So you're you've sort of got free reign to sort of. Head anywhere that you want in the plane, but of course you need to be very careful about how you do this because if you if you're away for too long, mm. so you may hear about people talking about something going down in the hold or some sort of some sort of deal, something like that. But if you're away from the cabin for too long, you know you're not able to to make sure that all the passengers are doing the right thing. But of instead course, instead of the oh uh, yeah okay. I was just going to say, instead of the air marshal, I wonder if this is like a James Bondish sort of situation because I kind of like the idea of someone in your ear and like you're there, you're there specifically because you know there's something on this flight, and because then I'm thinking like you can plant bugs on particular seats. You have to like maybe that is kind of cool. Get someone to to shift or switch seats or something, or you know you've got different little techniques that you need to do to yeah to find out the information you need. Okay. So, I, I I like this idea. You've put a bug right at the very back of the plane, near, mm-hmm. outside the toilets, and mm-hmm. you get in your ear, like, um, you can, you can hear uh, someone talking about something happening in in the hold or something like that. Someone has a distinctive accent, but 
um, mm. you can't actually see who it is down there because obviously the curtain's being pulled across. Yep. Um, and then the idea is that, you know, you sort of, you're trying to figure out who the, who these two people are. You're trying to, you know, all- <laughs> being able to point always- them out from, you know, from, from their accent or something like that. But do we go full return of the Obra Dean and you have to like identify everyone on the plane? <laughs> <laughs> You've, you've got the manifest and you have to, like, narrow down who all these people are by planting bugs and looking at their, like, sneaking looks at their, like, a, a wallet got left in the toilet or something and you have to match the face up to someone on the plane. And Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Is this after the plane has landed sort of thing? So, you sort of, maybe you're tracking down what your, what the spy on the plane was was actually doing so as you mm-hmm. go to each each new location you can sort of go okay now i now i see that you know the spy's been here he put a bug here and like there's a recording on that bug mm-hmm. sort of thing and you can sort of and that gives you a bit more information yeah. to like eliminate essentially by process of elimination people off the manifest basically the the spy has actually been killed and this is the reason why you've been brought in. You're you're basically now trying to track down what happened on this plane, who actually mm. killed the spy, and what um what actually happened to to this plane because it it sort of turned up with with the with the spy dead and no one else on the plane. Right, right. Well, I I don't know about no one else on the plane. I feel like maybe the plane landed and then the spy was found dead somewhere, or yep. like found or- dead in the hold, or found found dead in like. The out of order toilet or something like that. But are they like unrecognizable? Is there because there's got to be a reason why you need to like track down who they were on the plane or something? Um, yeah, I, I'm. I kind of like the idea that they they um, they're literally just you know a, a fleshy blob that you know they've had some sort of um, virus that yeah, sort of whatever weapon whatever weapon a flesh eating virus or something like that. Yeah. Because yes, I do really like the idea of of that Oberdin style gameplay, but you're tracking it down purely through like witness testimony and recordings from a bug, and yeah, like you manage to get hold some of small security cam footage that they security cam footage or like someone's phone selfies or whatever that has oh, timestamps yeah. on them, and so yeah, you're really cross referencing all this stuff, and it's it's and- all about you know trying to work out. Who who entered that that bathroom last? Because the majority mm. of people said that that toilet was out of order for the majority for the majority of the flight. But you know for a fact that the spy was around during you know dinner service, which happened you know three quarters of the way through. So when did they end up in the um in that out of order mm. toilet mm. to perish? Essentially. Mm. So wait, are we trying to figure out who they are, or are we trying to figure out who killed them? Who killed them, um, and also what they were investigating? Right. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I like that idea as well. Of like, yeah, you can you immediately eliminate like a bunch of people because you get a certain frame of footage or set of footage. I mean, from, really, like, you, you don't even have to off be playing at the end, or you don't actually have to be you know the handler of this spy. You can literally. Be just investigating this this dead body, 
And then yeah, as you yeah, as yeah. you're tracking all the stuff that he was doing, it's sort of like, hang on, there was this bug on the wall from and all this sort of stuff. And then you find out a little bit more about this guy that, mm. you know, he was actually investigating something and like he did have talks with the air marshal at some stage. When you talk to the air marshal, you know, he's sort of giving a little bit of stuff saying that, yeah, this guy had a British accent and, you know. Right. Yeah. And like saying, you know, oh, yeah, sometime between- I think, you know, it was, it was, oh, I remember it was just before the dinner service because like the drinks, uh, you know, he was talking to me and then the drinks tray came through and like he had to move or whatever, you know, so. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, there's just so many things that you could do with this. <laughs> and I'm seeing like if you, once you get the timeline sort of right, you start taking things out of that timeline and, and sort of going, this is what we know. He died, you know, sometime mm. in the flight. Now you need to sort of pinpoint when that was and who was around here and like, oh, why does he appear in the in the um, security footage down in the hold? Um, yeah, you know, and why is he the only one that that was that was appearing? Yet you could see that he was having a conversation with someone. So it's sort of like, yeah, I like that a lot, and and I like the idea that you might have to deal with like unreliable witnesses and stuff too. Oh yeah, so it's not just oh this person said that it that they were there. At- you know, three o'clock because actually they made a mistake. You can point out a contradiction. Yep. And it was one o'clock. You uh, can point out a contradiction they- basically between two testimonies. And then mm. they go, Oh yeah, it did happen before before this the scene occurred. And yeah, then and, uh, you know, they, they talk about like a fight a that occurred between, you know, two passengers. And then you can investigate that a little bit more and you find out, you know, what his what his role in that was. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're essentially having to find corroborating evidence for certain pieces on your timeline yeah. to to narrow down who was involved and what time they happened and where. Oh, I'm just imagining how many different fights you can have and, you know, um in one scene where this couple are taking, you know, a photo um, you know, of themselves as a couple and and the rest of the rest of the plane, you can sort of see, you know, this guy and, and a stewardess actually having a bit of a bit of an argument in the background, and you know yeah. you can look into that a little bit more. Like you can just see, like yeah, a, well then, you, then the curtain like, okay, parted well, slightly, and you see them behind the curtain. You know, yeah. well then you look at like the flight, like the plane, the uh, seating plan. It's like okay, well they're pretty close to this seat. Can I track down who was sitting there so I can ask them like, hey, do you remember this? Uh, and, and, you know, certain people are unavailable for whatever reason or only available after you've solved certain other things yeah. or whatever. That's, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. You essentially get on all these video calls with different passengers and stuff. And there's a lot of people on this flight who are remarkably suspicious for just, uh, un- like, unrelated reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you then, you know, you you you, you figure out what uh, what was making them behave suspiciously. It turns out a mundane situation. It turns out that that one of the passengers looks like he was twenty five, but is actually, in actual fact, only seventeen. But he had a lot of alcohol, so he he was literally being shifty because you know he um he broke the law getting getting alcohol with a with a fake ID. So he's not wanting to. Well, yeah, and that's part of it, right? Like for the longest time throughout the game, you've got that person pegged at with a particular name until you eventually track down, oh, they had a fake ID. No, they're actually this person. And then that like makes some other pieces fall into place because, you know, you talked to their mom or something, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) That's really cool. I like that. I like that. I feel like that's 
you know we we go to we go to papers please a lot um but to be able to go to so return of the over again <laughs> but uh to to yeah to be able to put a new twist on return of the over again um what's his name chris pope uh lucas pope lucas pope on lucas pope's uh, other masterpiece uh yeah that's really fun i like that a lot yeah i i, I was actually looking at you know lucas pope and Jonathan Blow the other day and sort of thinking mm. these two amazing developers who have done two games each and both have been pretty much masterpieces. Yeah, I definitely give Lucas Pope a lot more credit than Jonathan Blow, mostly because Jonathan Blow is a blowhard, but yeah, but um, and a bit of a like, prick, but yes, I, I have a look at you know Papers Please and and Return of the Obra Dinn, two totally different games, Braid and The Witness, two totally different games. Like they they're both. They're both hitting different um, genres each time they're putting out mm-hmm. a new game, which is just fantastic to see. And they also only put out a new game every, like, 10 years. <laughs> yeah. All which right. well, which is we'll not a bad thing, like, tonight. when they're quality games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, right, so think- that does finish up for the night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to go online, find our previous episodes, shoot us a review, go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. And uh, check out all of our huge backlog and uh, other shows uh, we've been on as well. Click through to our creator profiles and and see what shows we've guested on. Mm. And we would really like to thank the band Kuradust for allowing us the use of the song that defines off the album containment failure. That's right. So, thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Travis Scott. And what's that covering up the sun? It's blue. No, it's yellow. No, it's blue. No, it's yellow. (laughs) 